Uh, you know, I hope many of you, um, I know many of you, I don't have to hope, I guess, many of you got a lot out of the Robert Morris series. Um, we did, uh, Pastor wanted to play it through January, and which he did, right? Um, I was hoping to maybe show one of the videos today, but he said, no, I want you to speak. So I said, oh boy, okay, I got to prepare something, right? So I can't get away with a long video or sure. For him, it's short. But I hope you got much out of the uh, Blessed Life series. Oh, man, every time. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. Quite amazing to uh, hear the anointed teacher of Robert Morris in such an important subject to God, right? So important. And it's really about a life of surrender, really. Because that surrender comes, through that surrender comes our obedience towards him, right? Because we don't so much look at it as a sacrifice if we're actually knowing we're surrendering something that was kind of already his to begin with. But anyhow, I don't want to go off too much on the message, but hopefully got a lot of it. We may, I just pulled a fast one, Charles. We may, if we can create a, maybe what are those QR codes for next week, and uh, we'll put it up on the screen. And you guys could take a picture uh, of the QR code if you want to learn more about his videos, because they are on YouTube. Maybe we can put a link together or something like that, because there are more videos and it is uh, free online. So that's with Robert Morse. I wanted to do something this morning. Don't worry, I'm not going rogue. I already talked to my dad about this. But there is, we are a church community, right? And uh, we want to meet the needs of our, not only uh, what we do as missions around the world and here locally, but we also want to help meet our brother and sisters that are even in this room at times because they may have a, a good or dire need. And we don't do this much, um, but talking to uh, Pastor John last week, uh, really was on our heart to do the following. There is um, a brother in our congregation uh, who has, oh wow, the last three or four, three years or so has really uh, gone through a lot, just health-wise, financially. Um, but at this point, he is a walking testimony of the grace of God and miracle power of God with his health, with everything. I'm not going to say who it is because if he did, he would be mad and he has no idea I'm doing this right now, but I'm sure he'll learn soon who I'm talking about. So anyhow, he's been doing, he's really got a servant's heart, and a lot, everybody here in this room does too, but he's really been doing a lot in the last few years. Uh, and he's a tradesman, so he needs, he works with his hands, he's very gifted. But about a week and a half ago, I think it was in our snowstorm, somebody broke into his truck and, and took about 95% of his tools. So you know tradesmen need tools to do things, Right. Without that, they can't do anything, okay? And I've been uh, kind of inconspicuously been an investigator last week to say, you know, how much are these tools that you've lost and put a dollar to them? You know, just a few weeks ago, I think if you remember, I was coming into the church and um, there was a great need of an individual too. And when I mean needs, these are like pausing, life-changing needs. And I know we all have them, but this is just the Holy Spirit really can bring it to our attention to, that there are opportunities for us sometimes, right? There are opportunities to be the church. So I told you about something a few weeks ago. Somebody had a, a need of something. And before we could think of maybe bringing it to you, the needs were met financially before it even made it to the pulpit. So that was a phenomenal testimony. So yeah, you guys are givers beyond what you do. But I'm, I'm asking you today, uh, or even the following week here, just pray. We want to bless this person's life. Uh, financially, not just a hug and a high five and we love you, brother, which we do, 
let's put this mouth to words that might be in a wallet that comes out to do something. So I'm asking you today or tomorrow, just kind of pray about it. We want to get this all funded in a week. It's about $1,500 to pay for his tools so he can begin to do what God's continuing to call to do him um, and go from there. And if it goes above and beyond, well, praise the Lord. That's good. Great. Give online, go to the Benevolence Fund, texting, you can just text or go through your app, go under the Benevolence Fund, that's what it's there for specifically for people in our congregation, okay? If you're going to write a check, write a check, put Benevolence at the end of the check as well and put it in the, um, the offering basket in the back too, or if you want to mail something in, you're online, again, welcome guys, you're online in a toasty warm home, you can give too, so I appreciate you tuning in today, so... But please, I really we want to bless his brother. I am hope to report next week that he was abundantly blessed and he's got the tools he needs to move forward to do that. But thank you so much in advance of what you are going to do there today. I do have a message. We're going to have a little Bible study today. Can we do that on a Sunday? I know we do it a lot, and I'm, but we're going to have somewhat of a Bible study today. We've got a lot of information that I believe is going to be beneficial to you. Uh, hopefully we get through it. Um, but I really wanted to start with, um, man, the art of lettering has really disappeared, huh? We have all this fangled technology, texting, uh, things like that. And, um, you know, I think with letters, there's just so much that a, uh, thank you, Gary. Uh, there's just so much that an author can articulate to a potential audience, a reader, you know, um, and I believe letters can lead. That's really the title of the message today, that these letters we're going to talk about today will lead to something in your life, not just something on the paper, but something that jumps off. You know, a really good letter will uh, lead beyond the time you're reading it. It will, it will sit with you in your spirit or whatever so you can be encouraged by it. Uh, there's really, I look at letters that I've read over my life, and for me, there's really been three different elements that really would, would make an impactful letter to me to lead me beyond the pages. And that is one, encouragement. Another one is clarity. And ugh, sometimes even correction, right? We can get that at some point. I think a letter, if at least holds these two elements, I think we have a powerful letter. And many letters, a lot of letters hold words of truth that even go beyond a life of a writer could ever envision of what they were putting on paper at their time. I want to read two letters. Uh, I'm just, again, today we're just going to read excerpts of different letters. I don't have time to go through the entire bodies of letters, and I'll talk to you more about that in a minute. But I want to read one letter. Certainly, <laughs> can't be better timely. We have Black History Month, right? So Dr. King was noticed, noted for writing some pretty impactful letters through his life. Never mind what he did by leading by example, but even writing. writing. As many of you know and know history, he was in jail in Birmingham, Alabama. And he wrote a letter to the local religious officials in Birmingham, Alabama. Quick history lesson, he was down there to do a nonviolent protest against segregation. I think we can all agree we know segregation when we see it, right? It's, just no, no black, it's black or white, right? So he writes this letter to the religious officials and uh, he articulates it quite well because he goes out by respecting them and encouraging them first. He says that I feel, this is again the intro to the letter, he's addressing the, the readers, these religious uh, people in Birmingham, 
that if you are men genuinely good, that I know you are, and your criticism is sincere, how much civility do we have nowadays to even acknowledge somebody's criticism? He says, if your criticism is sincere, so he's given the opportunity that they may be right in their criticism. I like to answer your statement in what I hope will be a patient and reasonable term. So he's civil addressing them, encouraging them that if I were to answer every criticism that I get, I would never be able to have time to do what God's called me to do. But I feel you are genuine in what you are talking about. See, these religious leaders were mad at Dr. King for coming into Birmingham because he's from Atlanta and was calling him an outsider, okay, to what he was doing. But he reads, this is his quotes. He goes, beyond this, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. We can talk about injustice in church, right? We can occasionally. Just as the 18th century prophets left their little villages and carried thus saith the Lord, I am here to do that as well. Moreover, I am cognizant and irrelational of all the communities and states I cannot, this is where he brings clarity in his letter. Again, we're talking about letters. I cannot sit idly in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice. We are caught in this incapable network of mutuality. For me to be called an outsider as an idea is not true because I live in the United States where this is happening across America. So he, he hits that on the head. He's, he, this letter is to reach out to the reader of these religious officials locally to justify that he is not an outsider. This letter, which I won't go further as many pages, ends up turning around, as we know history, the segregation laws in Birmingham, Alabama. It was a very powerful letter, and he wrote it from jail. How about love letters? Fuzzy and warm love letters. Here's a letter from Johnny Cash to his wife, June Cash. He's on the road when he's writing this. I'm just plowing through some of this. But once in a while, like today, this is Johnny. I can just hear his crackling voice. I meditate on it and realize how lucky I am to share my life with the greatest woman I ever met. You still fascinate me and inspire me. You influence me far, even far better than I could ever imagine. You're the objective of my desire. The number one earthly reason my existence is real. I love you so much. Johnny Cash. Encouraging letters. These articulations of letters that we don't get much day through a text and an emoji. The writer is being led to write things to communicate things. And believe me, I just got through English class, so I'm not any scholar, but it's so powerful. All right, well, that was nice, Chris. We are in church, by the way. Let's get back to things. Well, I want to go through some letters that are in this thing, this book. It's full with letters written to us from our Heavenly Father, articulated precisely and individually to speak to our hearts and lead us to where we need to go as Christian individuals, but also as a church. So we're going to get into some of these today. I really wanted to start as, I don't know if the, okay, it is up. So you got a hint, it's Romans. 
I want to talk about the letters of Romans today. We're not, um, and I've talked to Gary and Miss Joanne. They're going to read some of the excerpts of these letters today. I do not want to put them on the screen. (gasps) I want you to hear them with your heart and maybe even see them with your ears. It is possible. So we're all grown adults in this room, at least some of us. I may get exempt occasionally, but close your eyes when you're hearing these letters because they're being written from a man that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe why talk about Romans? There's other letters that certainly uh, Paul has written, but I believe these letters speak to the body of Christ and the basic 101 truths that need to be established and sealed in our hearts before a Christ follower can really walk out their calling. And collectively as a church, it can help us thrive as we're called to our mission collectively. I really also think in Romans, these letters are extremely relevant for us Americans in 2022. You know, Paul was, just to give a backstory, Paul is in Greece when he writes these Roman letters. He doesn't even know Never been to Rome, doesn't even know them very well. But the Holy Spirit was urging him to write these letters. Even, and even just a little bit of history too, we know that the Christians during these letters were not heavily persecuted just yet. They had been leading up, but right now when these letters are being mailed out to Romans, uh, there's a king named King Nero. A little history lesson some of you may already know. King Nero was maybe under the age of 20. King Nero killed a lot of his family, his mother, one of his wives, a lot of different people around him. So he was a very busy guy. He was not really focused on the Christians. Okay, so you need to hear me. These are times. So these letters are going out when the Christians are not really being heavily persecuted just yet. Really three takeaways from today and these things we're about to read. Paul, like I said earlier, letters are great if these three elements are there. Encouragement, clarity, and fun correction, right? Paul, the biggest encouragement we're going to see today, and we've heard all this, but I want you to hear with your heart today. Paul is talking about this good news and that this good news is not just for somebody in church, but it's for everybody. And clarity of these letters, another takeaway I hope you get is that we need to know that as believers, we are not under the law, but we need to live by faith. And in that faith, grace shows up. And in that grace, we can begin to walk in God's righteousness. Things we've heard before, I know. And then in some of the letters he talks, and this is the correcting part, and I think for me personally, this is what I need to continue to grow in and, and know is that we are not slaves under the, uh, we are not slaves to sin as Christ followers. Sin should have no hold on us. This is truth. So let's start. Let's start. We're going to start. And again, we are jumping around. So I am going to have Gary and Joanne read some of these. We're going to start hopefully in chronological order. We're not going to hit every chapter. I may even paraphrase some of the chapters as I see, uh, just for in the interest of time. But why don't, and boy, it is the interest of time, my gosh, okay. Gary, why don't we start out in that first letter and go up till 
until I tell you to stop, I guess. Thank you. Okay, Romans 1. In the beginning of Romans, Romans 1, 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Awesome. Thank you. So Paul's beginning to, he first introduces himself, right? I am an apostle. Apostle Paul to bring the good news ordained by Christ. And there again, again, he talks about what we talk about, that good news. Good news will never become from God's creation, old news. It'll even be greater than economic news, political news, above any other news. It is the good news that he talks about. And it's for everybody, for the Jews, the Gentiles, people who are labeled nowadays, even for them and us, haters, lovers, it's for everybody. This letter encourages Christians to know that through God, the word of faith in Christ is so important of this good news. He brings a little bit more clarity into it uh, in verse 16 through 17, if you could do that. Thank you. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture said, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So two th- a few things, that concrete statement that we know well, I am not ashamed. Don't rest in the I, though. Rest in who gives you that power to not be ashamed. I am not ashamed. Don't be prideful, but I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed because I know I serve a wonderful, amazing God that has done so much in my life. But when, there's no pride in that statement. There's only love. Then he gets into... That God has made us right in his sight. That's insane. Come on. Right in his sight. Us, sinners that we were. Right in his sight. And then he ends talking about faith. And we know this. We were Faith Christian Center. But I want to make sure we know faith. Again, we're talking about ourself of things. Faith is not increased in a benefit that you have built in your own strength. But it's a surrender to who we're believing in to believing in, but it starts with surrender. I mean, we're talking about this letter coming in again when, when around Rome, you know, you had this King Nero, 
He was creating much news throughout the kingdom, beyond all the killings and even accused of burning Rome at some point. So there was a lot of news in Rome, and most of it wasn't good. Sounds a little familiar, right? Similar to now. He goes further and quickly, just to paraphrase to get moving on some of these things, on that first letter. Then he gets into talking about outside of the Christian faith. He says, many have turned from God. Most know the truth, but they have turned away. See, in Greece where Paul was too, sin was abounding there just as much as in Rome. But then he goes on to say, so he says, then God, he's saying, this is what God's going to do to these sinners that have rejected him. God will abandon them to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desire. Why does he have to do that? The second greatest gift we've ever gotten outside of Calvary, our free will. We've decided to do that. Free will, which is a whole other another message. Paul goes on mentioning hearts have hardened, again talking about these sinners, and traded the truth of God for lies. The lies that breed hate, envy, quarrel, gossip are truth over God's design. Just as a side note, when you see hearts hardening, they start cracking, and it begins to call division. So wherever you see division, hardening hearts are not far from behind that. But this sounds like something we can watch on TV right after church with drama, all these things going on, quarreling, lies, taking the truth of God and inverting it to their own design. So Paul jumps into the second letter. So we've gone through the first. He puts more focus on us, though, again, talking about us. He says, I want you Christians to understand. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. God is the final judge. There is a condition of humanity that has come about due to sin. Then he tells Christians, and I'm going to walk in this a lot too, that we're not supposed to condemn these sinners that are hating us and loving us. Excuse me, hating us. Right? He says in here, Christians can't condemn these people who have turned away from God because we have all fallen short through sin as well. And we can't be the judge. You've got to absorb that. There's freedom in that too, by the way. So then continues in chapter 2. Why don't we read? This is, okay, let's get back to some nice stuff. Let's get to <laughs> verse 4. In chapter 2, I'm sorry. 4 or 1? Chapter 2, verse 4, I think. Okay, yeah. Wonderful. It's the one where he says, don't you see yeah, how yeah, wonderful... Okay. Okay. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? In the King James, it says, and again, we'll read now the NIT today. It talks about the goodness of God. We sing about it a lot here. Leads to repentance. Not a brother and sister boasting, condemning, with sincere pushing agendas to convince somebody that they need to follow God. It talks about the repentance. And it's in you guys to live and share this out. People are watching. 
the holiness in a person will come along after they repent. Some of us prejudge people like, ah, they'll never get saved. Look at them. Do this. But they will repent to the goodness of God because it's so upside down from what the world is right now. And holiness will come. So all those religious folks that were worried about stuff like that, it comes after repentance. Paul, in addition, and just some paraphrasing out of chapter 2, gives the clarity that even Jews in, the, in Rome, so he, doesn't, he, he begins to talk about them, they're resting in what they do and not live by faith because they feel the law is justifying their lives. We as Christ followers, as we know, don't need to be living under a law. Quickly, the Botanical Encyclopedia. I know anybody over the age of... Yeah, they gave the books and you ordered these books and the encyclopedias. Well, they articulate very well this whole statement between Jews and Christians and what Paul was trying to do. So quickly, through the Apostle notes, with pride and unique religious heritage of the Jewish people, the covenant, the law, the patriarchs, he declares, again, Paul, he declares that righteousness no longer comes through observance of the Mosaic law, not even for Jews, but, but because Christ now manifests his righteousness, righteousness, God manifests his righteousness through Christ, whose righteousness is the source of righteousness for all humankind. That's great, Pastor, but I ain't no Jew, and I'm being respectful when I say that. But I believe Paul, in these letters of today, is representing Jewish as being organized religion in our 2022 right now. Organized religion. In Webster's Dictionary, it says this about religion. Religion is an organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship something greater than oneself. I propose why the organized systems of religion are good, they can lose sight of the real purpose. You have a bunch of doing things and no relationship of one thing, which is serving God and who he is in a relationship. I know, we're in a non-denominational church. I'm, a, I'm very underdressed, I'm not wearing a robe. No disrespect, but I'm not a priest or anything like that. So why are we talking about it? I'm in non-denominational. The problem is sometimes, even in a church, a non-denominational church, we can still live in the sanctuary of our mind, forming these religious laws that may or may not be of eternal weight towards us. Letter number three, Paul begins to bring clarity that the Messiah was promised even in the Old Testament. So he's talking to these Christians and even the Jews in Rome too, saying, listen, this gospel is for everybody. Can we read um, just uh, chapter 3, 21, verse 21, if you have it. Just 21 due to time. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. So he gets to talk, basically, there were prophecies, as we know this, we're, we, we learn the Bible here, okay, that even in the Old Testament, the, the prophets were talking about this Messiah coming. So he's building that case with even the Jews and religious folks that this was not a last minute cooked effort by God to save humanity. It was it. How about verse 23, Gary or Joanne? For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, 
in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He mm. did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Amen. Amen, amen. So this is where Paul begins talking about grace. He introduces this in the third letter that he writes. It's so vital to know that what his amazing grace has done and will continue to do in our lives, right? At the end of the third letter, uh, just paraphrasing, uh, Paul begins to try and answers the questions ahead of maybe the reader, what they might be thinking. And they say, he says, so it's, well, if faith is the key, then the law is not important. And Paul says, no, it is still there. It is important, but it's not important enough to save you from grace and what God's done for you. Faith, as we know, focuses on him more than us and what we've done or what we haven't done. In Romans chapter 5, the fifth letter we'll jump to as well, Paul begins to turn his letters more from the justification by faith and more towards the reconciliation of God to humanity which is the reason we can live by faith. I know it's early Sunday morning and the coffee's kicking in, but I'm going here. So Paul hints that faith does not lead to a mechanicalism, a practice of repetition mandates like some religious practices, but it should lead to, if it's real faith and it's manifesting and growing, it should lead to joy. Let's do uh, chapter 5, 1. I guess we'll go through 1 to 6, maybe? Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Can I interrupt right there? Undeserved privilege. I don't know about you, but I want to be around people that know what they've been saved from. Undeserved privilege. And then it, it, there, it, it, Miss Joanne just said, sharing God's glory. It's nice to bask in his glory, but it ain't meant to just be basking. It's meaning to be sharing his glory, right? from the life you lead. Why don't we jump to uh, three? We can rejoice. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, mm -hmm. for we know that they help us de develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character mm -hmm. strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Let me just interject. So trials, we know this as believers, and especially we've been in the faith for a while. It develops you and me into endurance, Paul says. And that endurance in, works towards our character. How, how many of you know that Christian and characters, sometimes the only similarity is the seed that starts with it, right? Uh, especially those in leadership, right? Abraham Lincoln once said, he said, uh, nearly all men can stand adversity and trials. But if you, get, if you want to test his character or her character, give him power. Give him power. Why don't we go to verse 6? I know we're moving here. When we were utterly hopeless, mm. helpless, 
Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. We can go up till 10. Excuse me, 11 would be great. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a purpose who is especially good. But God showed his great love Mm. for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful news, relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Awesome. Such powerful, huh? The loving God is part of the good news. And really what Joanne just read about is he did things on his term. His term. How many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, especially on, when you're online and you're signing up for a new subscription or something like that. And at the bottom, you're like, oh, I got to get through this, put my payment in, I'm going to add this. And there's like a laundry list of terms. The difference with those terms, and, and who really reads them? I, I'm not raising my hand. Don't raise your hand. But those terms are not to protect you. Those are to protect the organization, which can be duly noted in the commerce of business. But God's terms were to protect you, us, as the church community. Totally different. I like his terms, right? And God's terms are usually final. Let's go to Romans 6 quickly. Uh, Paul's letter to the Romans continue. He dives more now into sin and how broken it is under this new gift of grace. Why don't we do... 6 verse 1 through 3-ish for now. (laughs) Well then, should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? That's good, Gary. So Paul makes it clear th- clear that he's not telling Christians to sin more <laughs> because we have grace to carry you, but that sin is no more compatible with the righteousness in Christ because of whom we have faith in Christ. In Christ. Grace gives us the strength to walk this life. Grace is not a crutch for life. But it's a transformational power that God has designed for us to go through life and get closer in walking in his righteousness where it doesn't have. Paul goes on and paraphrasing a little bit more of this chapter. He says, then go, he goes on and says, we are unified in death. Boy, what a contradictory term in the world, right? We're unified by death. Interesting to think that life came out of death in this thing that God did for us, right? In these terms. He goes on and says, you know, there's de- the death of you is where life began, to bring life in God that has been given us to be, have the opportunity. Being a Christian costs you. Being a Christ, Christ follower will cost you even more. And some of that is the death of you. You, you, you. He talks about the death of sin. As we know, sin's easy to follow its root, Right? 
Sin's root is self, me. Sometimes there's a party of three, me, myself, and I. Sin's root is us. I'm going to jump to eight. We're going to move a little bit here. So then he goes into letter number eight. He begins to introduce, thank you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, right? We're building up to the Holy Spirit. Even more than ever, we need him now. He talks about, in the first few verses here, that there's limitations to our flesh. We know that. Limitations that are depression that we fall into, fear, anxiety, hurt, broken, anger, which is so contagious nowadays. But if we're guided by this Holy Spirit that is in you already as a believer, a Christ follower, it'll help guide you and help influence people around you. So let's go to verse uh, 1, probably hit 1 through 3. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Wow. No more condemnation. No more. When you're feeling anxious, fearful, what if in your mind. No more condemnation. Those uncertainties bring to him because that Holy Spirit will bring certainty to you. We have a life-giving spirit in us. Don't let the enemy convince you elsewhere, elsewise. The enemy saying, yeah, but it's still you. We just talked about death a few minutes ago, right? There's no condemnation. No condemnation for those who believe in Christ. Then he goes further into uh, bringing focus to our God. Verse 15. And I think we'll just go through 15 if you would. Thank you. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful Mm. slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Just close your eyes. You can open them now if you're sleeping, but close your eyes if you haven't been sleeping. Say the word all together, Abba Father, Abba Father. He's our Father. There's really two parts to that if you dive into Jewish uh, heritage and law and that meaning and see if I can articulate because I am no scholar. But there's really two parts of it. The Abba Father is obviously a child to a father, but the trust that it can bring to that cry to a father is only as good as the obedience that has been laid out during that relationship both ways. Our God's faithful, so he's been faithful to us, so we can trust that. But Abba Father in your time of need is you are a child crying to Abba Father. Paul begins to talk about uh, the glory in this chapter more than I'll paraphrase and that, that creation in the earth is groaning for God to reveal the children in the earth. That groaning gets louder as darkness grows as we know, right? So we, we can be confident at, as children of God that when we live our life for Christ and we may share our faith for Christ, that if we start hearing groanings 
and what we call rejection from the gospel. Don't take it personally. The earth is groaning to have the children of God be made forth and be that light on the hill and that beacon. In verse 26, can we hit that? Boy. And the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Amazing. We just came out of a month of prayer in January. And, and I'm confident, I'm sure Pastor was confident, that your prayer life has grown during that time. But sometimes we can get too mentalized of, of a formal practice of praying. Praying is just part of your life. It could, it could be a moment of doing this and now prayer is there. It doesn't need to be. The position of prayer is the most important in your heart. It's not a, a physical kneeling, standing. Those are great. Those are part of surrenders. But it's not... Just pray to your Abba Father. We just talked about him, right? Just pray. But if you don't know what to pray, you can be so ever confident the Holy Spirit is going to pray with you. That's why praying in tongues is so important. If you're not filled with the Spirit, come see me afterwards. Let's get you praying in tongues because, it, because there are, the world's getting darker and darker and there's situations you haven't seen before and don't know what to do, but the Holy Spirit is living in you and you need to pray for something through the authority that's been given to you through the Father. You need a helpmate. You need that comforter to do that. And sometimes you'll get to a place, and I've started to get there lately, and nothing by my own self, just my mistakes I do, that you get to a groaning part. There's a groaning in you because you can't even formulate the words. And the only thing that comes out is tears sometimes because the Holy Spirit is leading you where to pray, whether it's for a person, situation, a nation, a president. And we're all going through interesting times right now. But you need to know that Holy Spirit is, in, is working in you. Then Paul, uh, quickly, Paul begins to finish this chapter more. And we know these comforting scriptures. Paul encourages at the end in this, this letter, he says, I encourage you that all things work for good for those who love God. Don't forget the last part, loving God. It's part of that Abba Father, obedience and relationship. And then he ends finally, he says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God, right? God, Abba Father, is for us, who can be against us? That's not an egotistical say, saying. That's a love statement, right? Then we get into chapter 12. I'm going to take chapter 12 here because I know time of interest. You, you don't mind if I go a little over. I, I respect your time. I'm honored to be standing in front of you, but we may go an inch over. Chapter 12. Stop raising your hand saying no. Yeah, somebody better. <laughs> Super Bowl's next week. Don't worry. Um, chapter 12. This is a powerful chapter. I'm going to read it. And so, dear brothers. Actually, I'm just going to paraphrase it. So in this, in this chapter, I look at it is an instruction manual that I need to be mirroring against quite often in my life. Everybody relies on a car, right? And on those cars, we need tune-ups occasionally, right? <laughs> Sometimes our spirit and our soul needs a tune-up because life is life, right? 
with God with us, we can conquer it, but life is life. So he goes into chapter 12, very powerful, and I'm paraphrasing. So if there's a rainstorm in your life of adversity, okay, it could either be the enemy showing his last card to you, to what he's trying to do, so hold on, don't give up, or it could be that you have caused this yourself, decisions, unforgiveness, whatever. So it's so crucial, Roman 12, read this often. It's a tune-up, a tune-up. First he gets into your bodies. They should be a living sacrifice, right? You should steward them well because part of that stewardship is worship to him. Then he gets into the mind, Again, tune up. How are we doing? Don't copy in your mind, thinking. Don't copy the behaviors of this world. Don't adopt to the concerns, the fears, worry, attitudes. As we hear from Pastor John, I know he's going to do a series. Renew that mind. Renew that mind. It's okay to watch the news. Just don't define yourself through the news and what he's called you to do. Then he gets even to a bigger speed bump we have to go over to tune up that car. Do not think highly of yourselves. (laughs) Be honest about you. Only compare it to the faith that is in you that God has given you to fulfill your calling in your life. Don't think that highly of yourself. As smart as you are, education-wise, Some of the symptoms of that are what? Humility, right? Which is a powerful thing. It's not a weak thing. I think more and more as I get older, at 50-something, but I know more more than how less I really know sometimes, which allows me to trust God more and not get in His way. Be humble. At the end of the day, we were designed by God. We did not make ourselves. Here's a, worship, uh, a chorus by a worship song that has really meant a lot to me. It's by Corey Asbury. I am not going to sing it, but it goes like this. Now this is more than I could ask for, speaking to God, more than I could dream. The one who made the world thinks the world of me. The highest king of heaven chose to love this fool. I don't understand it but I know I want no, nothing more than you. Powerful. Paul ends chapter 12, this letter ends up saying, so he gets deeper. Again, tune up. Don't pretend to love others, which means we can at times, right? Really love them. But you can't give what you haven't received. So you need to focus on his love for you. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. No compromise. But it doesn't say hate the person who's doing wrong. The sinner does not say that. It gets even more fun. Live in harmony, he says towards the end, with each other. Don't think you know it all. Never pay evil with... Yes. Do all that you can to live in peace with one another. So Paul ends chapter 12 in this tune-up letter, I believe, 
saying, walk in unity. Walk in unity. Not all in agreement all the time, but walk in unity. Walk in unity. So that's as far as we could go, chapter 12. There's, many, there's 16 chapters, letters to read. I really appeal to you, take the time to read through Romans. It's so powerful because it's really speaking to us in 2022. Because the interesting thing is after these letters went out to a lot of the readers, King Nero, back to a little history, had committed suicide, okay? So the, la- the next four kings had a lot of time on their hands and they persecuted the Christians heavily, heavily. What's to come? What's now? The Holy Spirit is here to guide you in your now and prepare you for what's to come. Those are letters. You want to bring encouragement like Paul did about the good news? Telling you, tell people about the good news. Don't condemn them, but plant seeds about the good news. And bringing clarity that we are not under the law of religion. And that even better, that Christ, what he did under God's terms, bore your sin and my sin. And sin is sin. Sin is sin. The Holy Spirit will help us, as Paul ended up in chapter 9 as we read, to help that Spirit lead us and guide us every day. Application is opportunity every day to apply this to our life to apply it to our life. I hope you got something out of this today. Don't clap. I do want to pray for you though. Um, A few things will hit. If you guys will all just stand. I know there was a lot thrown at you and I had to compile enough into a few chapters here to do this, but I again really encourage you to read Romans, Romans, Romans. These are letters of love from our God speaking to us individually and as a church community as well. I want to pray right now, whether you're online or just here in the room as well, I want to pray for those that two things I feel led to. Those that are ready to surrender to understand that the good news is for everyone. Maybe even the neighbor with pink hair, tattoos, and I'm just, I'm not stereotyping, but people that you wouldn't think would walk into a church or accept Christ. We sing this song sometimes, Mighty to Save, and we think so much that, hey, God was mighty to save us, but that song is also extroverted to others, that he's mighty to save everybody who calls unto the name of the Lord. I pray for you if you don't, if you are too judgmental sometimes. You have freedom in Christ. You don't have to live because some of that is sin and there's no bondage to sin. And then I would say, pray to the second important thing right now is if sin's got a hold on you, surrender to him. It should have no power over you. There's so much freedom. When we do it God's way and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, There are many, I'm sure, even in this room that are bound by sin. And sin is sin. That's the way God looks at it. There's no condemnation we learned earlier. Just come to Him. 
surrender to him. Father, I just thank you that I'm honored to speak in front of these, this body of Christ, this church community, Lord, right now. And we just, through your Holy Spirit, speak to those in those two areas, Father God. Let them continue to receive your love where it overflows that it has to go outwards to give the good news to everyone. Not preaching, just live by, by living by example and being sensitive in those moments and opportunities to share love to those around us, those that we probably would not even talk to. Position people in front of us that need to hear your word. Lord, those that are bound by sin, addictions, Christ carried it on the cross. That sin. There's no need for more people to be bearing what you've already done, God. Release them through your Holy Spirit and give grace to that situation. Lord, also know that they're brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that we need to be together. If somebody has trouble with sin, share amongst each other to encourage one another, to pray for one another so we can come to the full potential that you've called us to be, Lord. And that's at the pinnacle of freedom in you, Father God, freedom in you to follow your will out and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't know this God we talked about and the terms he made, he's a God of love, as you can hopefully read through these letters. He loves you so very much. He longs for a relationship for, for you. But when you are born into this world, you're born into a fight already. You're born into sin because of Adam in the Garden of Eden. And I want to encourage you that there's a loving God that wants to wrap his arms around you. But you need to repent. And we learned early, you repent from the goodness of God. If you don't have a relationship with him, I would welcome you right now. It even says in Romans that how to begin a relationship with Christ is to receive a gift and then confess with your mouth to begin this journey. It's a beginning. It's not an end. And that you can be in eternity with your heavenly father in heaven. Amazing things he's done. If you have not accept him as your Lord and received this gift and begun a relationship with I want you to repeat these words after me, whether you're online too, and meet them with your heart. Meet them with your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving me. Lord, I repent for my ways. I believe that you have sent your son to die on this cross for me and that through his death, I might find life in you. Receive me as a child of God as I receive your love. Let this be a new beginning in my life to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you did that in the room for the first time, you did quite a big decision today, and we celebrate you. Can we celebrate you? If you did this today in this room, 
I want you to come up and see me or Pastor Mike afterwards. We just want to get some material to you, a new Bible, and pray for any needs that you may have. Uh, we'll only take a few minutes of your time. Come on up and see us. If you did this online, give us a call tomorrow, 508-336-4110. On Monday, I'm in the office or another pastor. We can talk to you, want to pray with you, give you new materials. Your next best decision is to join us here in the building next Sunday or online. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Pastor Ray, will you dismiss us, brother? Thank you. You know, he's your way maker. We're going to sing it one more time today as we go. And as you go, I guarantee you this, he will make a way for you.